Baby, baby, I don't want to talk about your homework. I don't want to talk about what your homework is, when it's due, what you got to do, how you did on it. I don't want to hear it anymore. They will moan and groan with each tooth. They will moan and groan with each tooth. Hey, it's uh, you know, it's Dan Class once again. Time for the yeah, mm-hmm, the Bitter's Bill podcast, audio blog, journal entry, March nineteenth, two thousand ten. I sit alone in my garage. In a small enclosure that's been manufactured for my use to record musings to myself into a microphone for dispersal through the internet. I enter the room and pull out the chair. I fumble through the papers on the desk looking for some scant bit of inspiration. Finding none, I sit for a moment twiddling my thumbs. Once my thumbs become dizzy, I give up. I push record and hope that, hope upon hope, when I jump off the cliff, dear listener, before I hit the ground and splat into a wafer-thin puddle of useless humanity, that inspiration's hand will somehow glide down from the heavens, scooping me up before my demise and delivering upon all of us something worth recording in the first place. And hence I jump, dear friends. And hence I jump. What shall we discuss today, dear friend? Shall we discuss my life, my pathetic, trivial life? The doggy paddle that I do day upon day upon day? Each day slightly more mundane than the day that preceded it. My friend, I wake up around 6 in the morning and lie in bed wishing I would die before 6.15. My second alarm goes off at 6.25 to prove to me once again that my dream did not come true, that my wish was not granted, and that I am still drawing breath. I turn off the second alarm, cursing my bad luck, dreading upon dreading upon dread that I will have to peel myself out of bed once again. Last in, but first out. While my wife continues to lie there face down and drooling, I proceed into the children's room, the nursery, that tiny warm enclosure where my two offspring sleep. I spend the next fifteen minutes or so trying to rouse them, to no avail. Sometimes I try to pit them against one another. Look, she's waking up. He's not waking up. See if you can do something. Can anyone please try and wake up around here? Because I can't make breakfasts, my dear, dear children, and wake you at the same time. So either get up 
Or at least go get in bed with your mother where there's the slightest chance that one of you might irritate the other. Enough to interrupt the rapid eye movement and have you all eventually, finally, succumb to awakening. I proceed into the kitchen where I remove some pre-processed frozen food from the freezer. I place it in some sort of mechanized heating device and wait for the ding. When the breakfast is ready, I begin my daily screaming. Kids, I will say lovingly, but sternly, so as to establish that I'm on the brink of homicidal rage. Kids, I will say. Kids, it's time for breakfast. You know, like I warned you ten minutes ago. Eventually, they will come into the kitchen, sit down and stare at their food, dissecting it with their eyes, individually working on the lists and lists of things that are wrong with the breakfast, even though it has been prepared in precisely the same manner it was prepared the day before, and the day before, and the day before, and the day before. After a brief argument about the fact that her waffle is toasted too much and his too little, I proceed with making their lunches. Ah, yes, the lunch, the lunch, the lunch, the lunch. See, the good news is, my children were given the biological inability from their dear mother. The inability, I should say, to eat cold meat for lunch. Now, as you know, it's generations past that the American people have enjoyed cold sliced meats between bread as a lunchtime repast, and yet, for whatever reason, my children refuse to partake in this cultural tradition. My children will only eat leftovers or anything that can be put into a thermos and maintained at a certain heated temperature for five or six hours. As you can imagine, dear listener, this reduces the number of possibilities greatly. So now every dinner must also have factored into it the possibility of leftovers for the lunch to follow. And so on, and so on. Brief arguments ensue about whether last night's dinner is an appropriate lunch for today. The heating and storing method that I used is scrutinized once again, debated the pros and cons bandied about yet another morning until we finally just throw up our hands and admit that we have no other solution but to microwave last night's meats. Throw them as quickly as possible into a somewhat airtight thermos product. Seal that product and stow it away in their luncheon box. Luckily, every day, for lunch, they will eat an apple and some crackers, different crackers for him, than the crackers for her. Now, at some point in the management of the lunch and the snack, one of them has finished their frozen toaster waffle and processed meat-like sausage-shaped object and have begun to stare off into space or tease the other one about the way their hair, face, clothes, lips, bottom looks. 
as I begin to yell at them to wake up and hurry up or we're going to be late yet again. My God, why do we send you to that school? You're never even there. My daughter will immediately begin the process of complaining about her wardrobe. I have nothing to wear, she will claim. Even though my wife has spent every waking moment that she's not working at her job shopping for my children's clothing online. Or rather, shopping for the clothing, receiving the clothing, rejecting the clothing due to size, cut, or color, repackaging the clothing, and having me return the clothing from whence it came. Many is the time that I have spent walking into some major corporate retail establishment with a large box under my arm with the explanation, well, my wife bought this online and you know, it looked so different online in the picture and the daughter and the sizing and then can you, I don't have the receipt. Eventually, breakfast will end. The brushing of the teeth will begin. The morning brushing of the teeth is in fact quite a different ritual from the evening brushing of the teeth. The evening brushing of the teeth must always incorporate a great deal of moaning and the elongated ritual of wrestling and fighting in a small tiled room. The children taking turns hip-checking each other into the sink and counter area, hoping to accidentally knock the other into the bathtub. They will moan and groan with each tooth they must abraze. Whine and whine and carry on as if flossing their teeth felt like 50 lashes. Eventually, they fill their mouths with liquid fluoride and spit it into the sink as hard as they can, as if there is a competition going on, unspoken, to see who can get the fluoride to splash out of the sink and land highest up onto the mirror. The brushing of the teeth at night, however, is done as quickly as humanly possible in hopes of drawing out other parts of the nighttime ritual. This stands in dire contrast, my friend, to the morning ritual. Even though it is not required of our children to floss and fluoride their teeth in the morning as well, it seems to become a very attractive element in the hygiene process because it will hasten the extraordinary rise in blood pressure that their father will experience. Their father, your humble narrator, would really, really, really enjoy dropping them off at school, you know, my friend, on time. But it seems that no matter what I say, what I do, what my wife says or does, what time they arise, what clothes they have to put on, they will inevitably, somehow, no matter what, be late. If I get them up at six, it's just too early for their bodies to rise and they will sit on the sofa, comatose, waiting for 6.45 to come. If I wait till 6.45, they rouse much more easily and yet, and yet, the brushing of the teeth. Eventually my son will in fact be done after the long, 
long, arduous process of tying his shoes. My daughter, on the other hand, has another daily ritual. A daily ritual that, for the most part, is unique to the female of the species. The daily refashioning and reconceptualizing of the hairstyle. Every day, the hairstyle must start at zero and be conceived and executed from the ground up. A mere ponytail, my friend, is not adequate for my six-year-old daughter. She must have a hairstyle that in some way, shape, or form reminds her of a princess in a Disney movie, a character from anime, Lucille Ball, Gwen Stefani, someone. The only real, real requirement is that the hairstyle take at least 25 minutes, of which we have five. Eventually they're gone. And my day of work begins. Sometimes I actually work. Sometimes it seems like I do nothing at all. All I know is that no matter what I do or what I get done or what I don't do or what I don't get done, next thing I know, it's 3.30 p.m. And it's time for them to come home and whine about their snacks and whine about their homework and argue about their snacks and distract each other from their homework and drag them here and drag them there. And inevitably, I am out of the one food item that they actually really, 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 really want. Every time. Eventually, I will have to make dinner again. Every day, dinner again. We must eat dinner again. Every day, again and again. Yes. Apparently, every day, again. We must eat dinner again. There are only a couple things that we like that we eat over and over and over again and again. I finally understand my mother and her generation keeping those large boxes of recipes on neatly ordered 4 by 5 cards in the kitchen. Because you would go out of your mind if you didn't. But theirs was a different generation, my friend. Theirs was a generation that once they got the kids out of the house, they weren't trying to work at home. They did the laundry that I do at night during the day. They did the shopping that I do as soon as I drop off the kids during the day. They would they would play bridge with their friends or go to Marjan during the day they'd catch up with their stories during the day now maybe they did all these things my friend because they didn't have Facebook they didn't have to update their status all day check their email all day throw out spam all day they didn't buy things online so they didn't have to return them all day Make dinner, serve dinner, clean up dinner, put the kids to bed, sit like a vegetable. 
and watch television for one hour before sleep. When I sit down to watch television, dear friend, it's out of self-defense. It's just to create a buffer, a slight buffer in my day. Because I just can't imagine putting them to bed and closing my eyes. I need that buffer. My friend, I wake up around 6 in the morning and lie in bed wishing I would die before 6.15. My second alarm goes off at 6.25 to prove to me once again that my dream did not come true, that my wish was not granted, and that I am still drawing breath. I turn off the second alarm, cursing my bad luck. Dreading upon dreading upon dread that I will have to peel myself out of bed once again. Last in, but first out. I think that's it for today. I've got a. Oh yeah, I gotta go. Uh, T's got a earache, so I gotta take her to the doctor because it's Friday. You know, you can't let these things go over a weekend or the kid's dead. You know, and of course it's the day that her normal pediatrician isn't there, and so it's gonna be a fill. Right, right, it's a whatever. Anyway, thanks for downloading. Thanks for listening. Uh, a little shorter this time, a little longer last time. You know, you never know. Uh, I will say this though: this week I had the honor of having lunch with an old and dear friend. Who, uh, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna ask to interview him, but it was, it's, uh, I, I had lunch on Tuesday with Father David Dwyer from the Busted Halo on uh, Sirius Satellite Radio. The father and I were on radio in college together 25 years ago. Oh my God. Oh God, I shouldn't have said that. It always makes my, you know, a little tighten up in the. <laughs> but it's one of those things like when, like when my cousin comes here, right? My cousin doesn't have a radio show he does every day. So, yeah, I'll, I'll interview, right, River? Or when Seth Harwood comes over or, uh, uh, you, you know, Breeny Maxwell. But something about having your friend um, who does a radio show all the stinking time come in and then have them record in your garage. Like, the guy just wants to get lunch and, you know, talk about old times or something, right? I mean, was that, did I miss an opportunity? I mean, like an idiot, I didn't even take one of those, you know, take your own picture things. You know what I mean? Like, there's no photographic evidence. I could be lying to you right now that even know Father Dwyer. I know. Anyway, thank you, uh, Father Happy Dave Dwyer, for uh, having lunch with me. That was fun. It was his idea, and he's a great guy. He's exactly, you know what You know what uh, Father Dave is, in all seriousness? He's exactly what you want a priest to be like, I swear. <laughs> you know what I mean? He is exactly like, if he's like, yeah, you know what kind of priest I'd like? Yeah, it would be him. Although I will tell you this, I was a little disappointed. He came here 
and uh, he was in his civvies. And I got to tell you something, when a priest comes to your house, you really kind of want the full, right, the regalia. You want the, the at least the black with the collar. Right? I'm just saying. That was great seeing him. All right, listen, thanks for downloading. Thanks for uh, supporting the show. You've been listening to the free version, the shorter version, the uh, appetizer, you know, the free fix of the bitterest pill. If you uh, if you want to get the whole thing, you know, shooting for an hour uh, every time uh, of the bitterest pill premium, just go to the bitterestpill.com for all the information. If you'd ever like to give me a call, my number is 888. Yeah, that's right. Toll free, baby. 888. 888- Three one five five seven five three. Thank you for downloading and listening to the Bitter's Pill. Uh, I'll talk to you soon. Bye bye.